is the morning sports desk for Tuesday, August 15th. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, there's a couple things we got to get to. Uh, one, again, just want to acknowledge all of those kiddos and, and uh, high school athletes who are going back to practice again today. Hopefully that first practice uh, didn't make you realize you're too out of shape like I had to do all the time. Always felt like I was going into those fall sports practices that you had the whole summer. Felt like, oh, I, I was working out. I was getting in shape. I was doing whatever. And then the first practice would kick my butt and I'd be out of breath the entire time. Be like... <gasps> I'm out of shape. Uh, yeah, so uh, hopefully you guys are better than me. I'm sure you are. But uh, congrats, uh, best of luck and whatnot to the high school athletes who are getting out there, football, volleyball, cross country, and whatever else I'm missing uh, for the fall sports across central Minnesota. And again, towards the end of the month and early September, we'll have high school sports back on the airwaves. So we're not too far away. We're real, real close. Uh, and let's take a look now at our state sports. The Minnesota Twins were off last night, but they are now on a five-game homestand and a very advantageous five-game homestand for them. There's a couple reasons for that, why the Twins have an advantageous uh, home stretch ahead, because they had an off day yesterday, so they got to rest up. They're at home for two against the Tigers, and I know the Twins lost three out of four to Detroit over the uh, last week, but... It's that target field where the Twins play much, much better. And not only do they play two games at Detroit, then they have another off day, so you can rest up your entire bullpen, So which means you can throw the bullpen at Detroit and still have a day off, and then you can rest everybody up for a three-game series against the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates, who are not having themselves a great season, although better than the typical bad Pittsburgh teams that they've rolled out over the last few years, but still uh, not necessarily a great team. And then after that, you have another off day before doing two games at Milwaukee and then coming back home for the rest of the month. So the Twins only have two more road games for the entirety of August, which will be, again, very advantageous for them. You look at the teams that they're playing over the next five games, the Tigers are not good. The Pirates are not good. The Twins should win three out of five. At the That should be the expectation, you know. Win, win, I mean, win three games. That's Win three out of five should be like the baseline expectation for this team. Just keep your heads above water and keep uh, the Cleveland Guardians away from you. I'm not sure what that magic number is at that point to, to clinch the division, but the Twins have a four-and-a-half game lead right now, and we'll just kind of have to see uh, what happens because the Twins need to win as many games as possible over this next five, and even if you want to include Milwaukee at the end of it in the next seven-game stretch here uh, because then they play a four-game series against the Texas Rangers who have the second-best record in the American League, third-best record in all of baseball. I believe. And then you have a three-game series with the Cleveland Guardians to close out the month of August. And then once you finish that up, you go on the road to the Texas Rangers for three games. And then your road trip continues going to the Cleveland Guardians. So if you're the Twins, you're going to have not necessarily a rough stretch outside of playing Texas, but uh, playing Cleveland 
just get yourself a big enough lead where it doesn't matter if you scuffle a little bit in that kind of two-week stretch because then you can close out the season against the lowly Mets, the lowly White Sox, the Angels, A's, Rockies. Like The month of September is very advantageous for the Twins, so if they can get some wins right now and hold on through the last part of August, early part of September, the Twins will be in really, really good shape uh, to clinch this division and to to get it over with. For the Twins tonight, Bailey Ober gets the ball and first pitch at 640 in downtown Minneapolis. Bailey Ober been struggling over his last couple starts. Not necessarily that he's been bad, bad, but just been getting hit a, hit a lot harder than he normally has been. Hasn't quite been as effective, but he's a pro and we'll, we'll see what happens. The thing about Bailey Ober is he hasn't pitched this many innings in his big league career ever as a professional. So, you know, is his arm just wearing down a little bit? Does he need to rest up? You know, that could very well be true, or he could just have had a couple bad starts. I'm uh, not quite sure. Uh, In ex-Vikings news, uh, Dalvin Cook is signing a deal with the New York Jets, and everybody's making a big deal about this, and I'm sure Dalvin Cook, he's still a good player. There's There's still a good player in Dalvin Cook, but for Vikings fans that are upset that Dalvin Cook is not on this roster anymore, I got to tell you, I'm one of the biggest Dalvin Cook fans in the world, and I got to—he just—he can't stay quite as healthy, and he's getting older, and is breaking down just a little bit more, and he wasn't—he's just not running as fast as he was in the first few years in the league. My point is to say, uh, is this will grab some headlines for a little bit, but you know, I'm not going to necessarily lose sleep over Dalvin Cook going to play with Aaron Rodgers, which is weird to think about. Uh, Anyway, while we're staying in the NFL world, let's talk about the Vikings. So they are off today, and they're going to have a joint practice with the Tennessee Titans tomorrow and Thursday. What are joint practices? Well, on Saturday, the Vikings are going to have their second preseason game against Tennessee in Minneapolis. And so since they're doing that, The Vikings basically just say, hey, Tennessee, why don't you just come up to Minnesota, spend the whole week here, and we're just going to, we'll practice against you guys. Our, like, because a preseason game is very limited. It's a game setting. There's only a certain, there's a finite amount of time that you have to get your entire roster, which is like 90 guys at this point. You have to figure out how 90 of your guys are playing, generally speaking, and you got to use it in the 60-minute football game, where instead you could span it over two practices and the game on Saturday, which is necessarily what the Vikings and the Titans are thinking. And with all due respect, preseason games just don't mean anything. Practice these joint practices in the last five to eight years of the NFL have meant way more than preseason games, which as a fan, it kind of stinks because you can't watch the practice all the time uh, compared to a preseason game. And it's not like in a game setting, but those joint practices are really, really important because it just allows coaches, like when something goes wrong, they can stop and they can correct on the fly. Like they can do all this instead of having to, you know, it's a game setting. There's just certain things you can and can't do. You can't stop the play in the middle of it happening and say, ah, do it again. It didn't go right or whatever. Uh, and it just allows guys to hit guys in different colored helmets, uh, which You know, training camp gets chippy when guys are practicing against each other every day. That guy who's really annoying, you just have to deal with him all the time, all the time, and then eventually a fight breaks out or something. This time, uh, it'll be against the guy in a different colored helmet. So the coaches won't get as mad if you fight a guy. Uh, 
the Cincinnati Bengals came uh, and Minnesota Vikings did some joint practices under Zimmer in 2015. And I remember that because it was either 2015 or 2016 and Pac-Man Jones was a corner for the Cincinnati Bengals. And every time Adam Thielen kept, uh, cause he was just this white wide receiver who nobody uh, at the time, uh, every time Thielen came up, Pac-Man Jones was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to go against this guy. He's not worth my time. And eventually Thielen just kept doing it and kept trying to line up against him to the point where Thielen kept beating him and beating him and beating him in practice to the fu- a point where Pac-Man Jones wanted to fight him. And so my whole point is like those joint practice kind of made everybody go, this Thielen guy might actually be a pretty good wide receiver. So there's some certain things you can learn in joint practices, which are kind of fun. Uh, they're, they're just kind of the best of a situation where we don't have actual football games going on right now. But, you know, it's still August 15th. So we're still like three weeks out from even really talking about football because, what, the regular season probably kicks off on September 7th. So, yeah, we're still about three weeks away from really, really being able to uh, dive in and talk about NFL football. So this is the closest thing we got is talking about practice. And you know what Allen Iverson says about practice. Uh, Last thing I want to touch on is the Blindside movie. So remember, and I mentioned this last hour, so maybe I'm repeating myself, but uh, The Blind Side is that movie in 2009 starring Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw, and it's about Michael Orr. Uh, he's a, he was an NFL lineman, but it talked about his journey to the NFL. He was a homeless teenager bouncing from foster care to foster care and taken in by this nice, well-to-do, rich family, and they gave him clothes, they gave him food, they gave him a bed they did all this kind of stuff to to make him a part of their family and then they helped him learn how to play football and he became you know all this it's a it's a great movie actually uh, me and my family really like it i remember watching it in theaters we had it on dvd it's on tv all the time and we'd all like for scrolling through channels you just find it, you say all right yeah we could leave it here and watch the rest of this movie there's like an hour left yeah yeah we can watch it and turns out the whole movie's a lie turns out everything about it was a lie uh so the Tui family did not actually adopt Michael Orr. So that was the whole point in the movie is they adopted him and they made him part of their family. Turns out, no, they let him sleep on their couch, but not until after they realized what good of an athlete he was going to be. And they didn't. And in the movie, it doesn't necessarily portray it that way. In the movie, it portrays Michael Orr kind of as a little slower, a little dumber, and he's definitely not that, uh, according to his, uh, his book and the book of his mom. Uh, adopted mom, not adopted mom, whatever the right phrase is. They didn't actually adopt Michael Orr. They made him a conservator. And what that basically means is uh, he's an adult, but he's given away basically his right, uh, basically his rights to the to the family. And it's crazy because the family's been profiting off Michael Orr for the last. 20 years, essentially, the mom became a best-selling author and speaker because of it, motivational speaker because of it, and the whole thing's a lie. They didn't actually adopt him. They made him a conservator, which meant they could use all the money from his name, image, likeness, and all that, the book, the movie, everything. The movie made each member of the family, there's four members of the family, it made them each uh, $250,000 plus 2.5% of the gross total of the film which made $300 million at the box office. So they got a lot of money from doing that movie. Michael Orr uh, signed to basically give his rights away to 20th Century Fox for the movie. Michael Orr didn't get a cent from the movie. 
and the whole family did. It's just a it's a weird situation. And why it came out this long apparently is because Michael Orr was in college and playing an NFL career and figured I don't need the money right now. And when his playing career ended, he's like, okay, well now I'm 30 something and I got to figure out what to do for the next 40, 50 years of my life income wise. So am I going to get any of the money from the movie? It is my story after all. And turns out, no, he's was not eligible to get a cent. So he's taking that family to court, which it stinks because I really like watching that movie. And apparently everybody involved stinks, uh, except for Michael Orr. And I think Sandra Bullock should get an award or keep all of her awards for the movie and maybe get another one for convincing us that the mom in that family just wasn't pure evil at that point. So, man, tough story. And last little bit. I know I said the last little bit before, but last little bit. Uh, the Mavericks. Minnesota State Mankato was picked to win the NSIC Women's Soccer uh, championship in 2023 to win the conference. Uh, and I find that disgraceful as a Bemidji State alum uh, because Bemidji State women's soccer is definitely uh, winning the Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference. I know n- nobody's really following Division II women's soccer for Mankato or Bemidji, but I just feel like I need to say that. Uh, so go Bemidji State. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Tuesday, August 15th.